Coming up on this episode, it's our Summer Book Club. Matt and I have each brought four books to discuss, and we're going to pick two to read. It's better than a library card. It's up for debate. This is Up for Debate, episode number 205, recorded April 22nd, 2021. Summer Book Club. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate podcast where the two hosts ground everything. I'm Sean Jennings, joined by everyone's favorite voracious reader, Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Voracious? Voracious. I think you mean voracious? What did I say? Voracious, like ferocious, which... Isn't that... That's the same thing, isn't it? I don't it? think it's a word. I could be wrong. Ocious. Precocious. Oh, voracious. Voracious. Ferocious. Ferocious. I was going to say a ferocious raptor, but it's not. It's a velociraptor. I don't uh, know. Let's... Voracious is a fun word. It's making me think I should, uh, I got to use it more. My vocabulary. Yes, there's voracious and voracious but there's no ferocious and loquacious and ferocious as you mentioned so uh yeah that was uh yeah. thank you spellchecker.net for that information <laughs> well i'm happy to be here mr sean how are how are you doing today i'm sorry i came across as a uh grammar nazi and we've only been on here for Yo, one minute you book so reading son of a I've bitch already ruined the episode yeah, you hoity-toity coastal elite yeah, with your big words and your fancy hats. I am, I am all of that, and I do have many fancy hats. So, not enough. I don't really think you can have enough fancy hats. Is that true? Um, I don't know. If anyone would tell us, Cam Newton could. That's right. Or Pharrell, maybe. Oh yes, oh, I've I've always wanted one of those uh, Pharrell. The big Pharrell yeah, hats. The one, the one that makes him look like a sheriff, or like a really cool <laughs> sheriff. Uh, now I have to Google a what choice. a Pharrell hat. It was like a Mountie, uh, like, kind of like a, like a, um, like a Canadian. Everything. Hat. Oh my God! There's everything you know, need to know about Pharrell's hat. It's a vintage Vivian Westwood hat. It's an English fashion designer. Um. And uh yeah, it doesn't say where you can uh where you can buy it though. Oh, you can get pictures of it on Etsy. <laughs> I thought they were selling the hat on Etsy, but no. Oh, wait, no, they are selling the hat. Okay. Yeah, you can get it on Etsy for 55 bucks. 56 bucks. Huh. Do you want to know what happened to that hat? What happened to Pharrell's hat? Did he auction it off somewhere? It was bought by Arby's. Like the restaurant Arby's? Yes, for forty-four thousand dollars. For what purpose? To benefit charity. I think it's because their logo is like a hat. Oh, and and there can there can be only one. It was that kind of a scenario. So they yes, bought the hat. I think no one that... could ever wear it. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> oh, Arby's. I love their Twitter. Do you go on Arby's? Uh, it's not actually Arby's Twitter. It's like uh, it's called like nihilist Arby's or something. Yeah, that's one of the. Yeah, that's an old one. Yes, that's a classic. That is a, a vintage, vintage Twitter. Uh, yeah, from back in the day. Nowadays, all the all the corporations are coming out with um, like the. What's it? The sarcastic, you know, you know what I mean, like the. Sentient responses well, that make them seem like they're people. Well, the new thing is depressed accounts. Have you seen this? Oh, this yeah. is because the, they started with sort of funny, and then they went to like sarcastic and kind of meta fourth wall breaking, and now they're all depressed and sad. Yeah, and they like comfort each other. It's weird. <laughs> and self-deprecating, some good self-deprecating. Uh, well, no, because it'll be like there. McDonald's will McDonald's will tweet like, "Oh, don't want to get out of bed this morning," and then like Arby's will comment like, "Hey man, are you okay?" Like. <laughs> What is that? It's like this. 
Like, I don't get it. I work in social media. I don't I, I get it. I guess it would make sense if they said, like, don't want to get out of bed this morning without a new McGriddle from uh, only $3. Or, or <laughs> like, they're just... I, but I don't even I don't even necessarily have a problem with the initial post. What I have a problem with is when, like, four or five completely unrelated brands... They kind of jump in. Will kind of, yeah. Because it'll be like KitchenAid mixers will, will 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 be like we're here for you, you know. It's like I'm like, what? How do you people know each other? What is happening? Yeah, they they all just meet at the like functions or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It makes me think like when we were at the Maris Archive Twitter, maybe we could have uh, reached out to um, uh, Vassar and started a conversation. We would have gotten yeah. We could have had a we, we could have had a flirty romance with uh, <laughs> Little Debbie or something. I don't know. How much fun would that oh, have been? That would have, that would have been a, that would have been a time. That would have been uh, certainly would have given us stuff to write about instead of uh, well stuff. But speaking of things to write about, Matt, yeah, good good segue. <laughs> we have got books. The book club is back after our wild success uh, two years ago. We didn't do one last year, did we? Uh, no, there was a lot going on, although it would have been a pretty good year for a book club because there was uh, not really much else to, to do. A lot of free time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of weird that we didn't do one last year. See, now I got to go and look at what we were doing one year ago because um, I'm sure we were, I think this time of year we were we were doing Rocky. Oh, okay. And and Rocky ran so it long. Did. That was a that was a whole year ago already. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is traditionally this time of year we do movies because we did Bond around this time, we did Rocky around this time, um, and then basically it was Rocky all the way through Sean Tember. Um, it took us through most of the summer. Wow. Yeah. A lot of movies. Okay, so that's what we were up to, but. So and that's why Matt this summer we're reading the novelization of Rocky. Okay. <laughs> I, I kinda, I'm assuming there is one. I don't even know. I sort of want There's... to. Uh, there is, you know, it's like what it's it is based on a book. Obviously, it didn't didn't do too well. The book, not the movie, but. That's right. Sylvester Stallone wrote the book because he wrote the script. Hey, yo. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so for those who didn't join our last book club, the way it worked is Matt and I each brought uh, a handful of books we wanted to discuss, and then I was going to pick one of Matt's books we were going to read, and Matt was going to pick one of the books I was going to read. Last time around, Matt, we read uh, two great books, um, One Summer uh, by Bill Bryson, which was my pick, and uh, The Wind of Bird Chronicle, which was your pick, uh, still one of my favorite books. Uh, a fantastic read. So I'm excited for what we're going to come up with this summer. Yeah, and I, I still remember reading One Summer. I actually, it's interesting because things will happen that were referenced in the book. Like I was, uh, I, I was reading a um, an article recently that just happened to reference the um, uh, the fight, the the boxing match that was talked about yep. in the. Uh, in, in the um in one summer right the uh the knockout um, yeah and of course flagpole sitting i actually didn't really know that that much about it until reading the book um and yeah so things will just come up that'll that'll constantly make me think about one summer again um it's a yeah yeah and i actually i i ended up reading i think all of your recommendations at one point you or another. did i did um just because I like to, I like to read, and I usually have a lot of a lot of time in the summer to read. So, well, and what's great is Matt. I bought all of your picks as well, and never read any of them. Oh, they're just sitting on my bookshelf. To be fair, one of them was, one of them was Gotham, which is about a thousand pages. <laughs> I don't know why I bought it. It looks big and smart on my bookshelf, yes, but uh, yes. I will never but read people, it. What will happen is when, when people visit back, like when, when once things are normal again and you're able to have people visiting your house, they'll see that on your bookshelf and they'll go like, wow. They won't, I don't think they'll, they'll say like, oh, have you read this? But they'll, they'll see it and they'll internalize it and they'll be like, this is, this man must be very smart to read a 4,000 page book about 
the history of New York City and the surrounding area. Looks like this guy books a lot. <laughs> this guy books. This guy, it's only He books book. hard. There's also the sequel, Gotham 2, <laughs> which is almost as long. But that yep. only but only somehow covers like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that was... It. This year I'm going to learn my lesson and actually buy the books I plan to get around to reading. Not that there was anything wrong with them. Um, I'm not quite as voracious of a reader as you are. Uh, but Matt, I've got four books. And I've got four books. Awesome. So uh, do we want to do go through one host's entire thing or would you want to alternate? I think the alternating works. Okay. Now, my books have an accidental theme. Okay. I wasn't planning on there being a theme, but I picked four books whose authors' names are James, John, Jeff, and Jim. So that that is my theme, and I'll uh, I'll volunteer to go first here. Um, I have all four physical books here with me because I refuse to read digital books. And my first book, Matt, they're all nonfiction. Unfortunately, I don't read a lot of fiction. Sean, all of my books are fiction. So, oh, this is perfect. Right. So we're going to get a little one of each. Uh, so we're going to learn about some stuff. Uh, this is a book I've read several times over the years. I enjoy the story a lot, mainly because it's my interest. It's by James B. Stewart, uh, who also wrote Den of Thieves, which is another great book. Uh, he's a wonderful author. This is his book, Disney War. Disney War. Uh, it's a thick book. It's a, it's, a, it's a quality read, but it basically charts... Um, the Disney Corporation during its most successful and tumultuous period, starting with the hiring of Michael Eisner in the late 80s, all the way through the Disney decade of the 90s, and in through his tumultuous uh, firing in the mid-2000s. All the salacious details, all the stories behind the movies, the theme parks, the business, um, a cast of characters who you couldn't make up. Um, it's a really interesting read. It, it is very um, personality-based. Uh, not business-based, which I like. Uh, you don't focus too much on stock prices and numbers, but it really does tell a cool narrative story of um, Michael Eisner and a few other folks, Jeffrey Katzenberg, Frank Wells, folks in who came into the Disney company at a time when it was really struggling, almost bought, almost sold, um, and they turned it around and then crashed it right into the ground. So an interesting read. Uh, if you're a fan of Disney or business, I recommend James B. Stewart's Disney War, available now at your local library. Okay. Is that a topic that interests you, Matt? It actually very much is. I uh, I discovered a... Um, I mean, actually, I think you're the one that told me about this YouTube channel, Defunctland TV. Defunct oh, yeah. Land. Uh, yeah, so, and th they have a podcast also uh, that's actually really good. Um, and uh, so I... I uh, the wife and I love the YouTube channel. And so this actually, a lot of things, they, they covered the, the Euro Disney debacle. Absolutely. And, uh, huge, huge in Epcot here. Yep. And the, the rise of, um, of, of, of uh, Eisner. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Disney's international expansion, yes. the, the uh, California Adventure, um, uh, MGM Studios, all of those sort of big things that happened. The rise of animation, um, the, the Disney Renaissance, as they called it. Um, all those things. So that actually will pair well with another book that I have, which is an autobiography of uh, of um, Walt Disney. It's like his, his life. Oh, wonderful! Is, so it could be like you know, it's kind of like a like a Lord of the Rings in a way. Uh, if we add in a third Disney book, I don't know the the Mickey Wars, the uh, I don't know the Return of Mickey. Ah, the Revenge of yeah, Mickey. Yes. Um, Goofy's Revenge. Yeah. So. That is your book number Excellent. one. Well, that's very already very high on my list. So I think that's. Uh, I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna open a tab here, so I can keep track of. I like I said. I have read this several times, mm -hmm. and it, it is dense, uh, just in size. So you, I always get something new out of it every time I read it. So even if you don't pick it for the show, I, I, I definitely would give it a shot. I think you'd like I'm it. Adding it to my Goodreads. There you go. It's a done deal. Uh, I have not been doing very good reading i'm six books behind schedule this is what it's telling me it's yelling at me so that was the 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 disney war right uh disney war by james b stewart okay uh oh wait what the pirates and the mouse disney's war against the underground 
They fought the mouse, and the mouse eventually won. But it was a battle that left everyone bloodied. What the hell is that? It's about a cartoonist. Oh. And it is a very long description. That's that's what came up when I typed in Disney World. Let's try that again. Take two. Okay, there it is. Want to read. James B. Stewart, right? James B. Not James A. Stewart. James B. James B. Stewart. B-side. All right. Good pick, Sean. I think that'll be, uh, that's a promising one. Um, that is a promising one indeed. My first pick uh, is, like I said, all of my books on here are collections of nonfiction. The first pick here is a, uh, a kind of an oldie, but a goodie, I guess you could say. It is what is called a, uh, a classic by many. Um, it's written by Thomas Mann back in 1929. He wrote a book by the name of The Magic Mountain. And, and that's not about Disney. It is not. It is not about Disney. Okay. Um, which would be kind of interesting if it was, but it's not. It's uh, it, the, the description is, with this dazzlingly rich novel of ideas, Thomas Mann rose to the front ranks of the great modern novelists, winning the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1929. The Magic Mountain takes place in an exclusive tuberculosis sanatorium in the Swiss Alps, a community devo devoted to sickness that serves as a fictional microcosm for Europe in the days before the First World War. To this hermetic and otherworldly realm comes Hans Kostorp, an ordinary young man who arrives for a short visit and ends up staying for seven years. During the time, he succumbs to both the lure of Eros and to the intoxication of ideas. Uh, a monumental work of erudition and irony, sexual tension, and intellectual ferment, the Magic Mountain is an endurable classic for the ages, Sean. Okay, you lost me at Tuberculosis <laughs> Sanatorium. So you got sell me on this. So how map. about you pretend instead of he, him being at a tuberculosis sanatorium, pretend like he's in a fancy hotel or spa in the Swiss Alps, and he's okay. Uh, now I'm just saying of James Bond. I uh, uh yeah yeah pretend like he's a he's a he's like a, is Telly Savalas there? A, sure, maybe. I actually have never read this book, so I don't know. <laughs> you picked a book you haven't I, read? I've been on many book forums, and um, this book came up quite a bit as a classic. Uh -huh. And I figured maybe we, if you read it, I'll read it, and we can we can compare notes about it. I don't know. I swear, a lot of people love this book, and they, they think it's like okay. it should be taught in school. Uh, yeah, so... There's another line in this Wikipedia article on the book that just really endears me to it, really makes me want to read it. It is widely considered to be one of the most influential works of 20th century German literature. Sounds great. There you go. Influential. And we all know, like, uh, 1920s Germany, very influential place. A lot of ideas going around there, for sure. Okay. So, it's called The Magic Mountain. I don't endorse anything that's uh, the contents of the book. Like I said, I've never read it. Uh, but it sounds uh, it sounds promising. That was my first pick. Swing and a miss. No, I don't think. No, hey, look. It's a, look, I was skeptical of the Wind Up Bird Chronicle. That was a wacky pick. So, yeah. Um, well, I will say that um, I have read the other books on my list, on my pick. So this was the only one I hadn't read, and I just wanted to throw it out there. So, but it is a lot like, I guess, su su suggesting like Don Quixote or something. So mm. It is a classic read. We haven't really ventured into that territory here because we're not a... We're not a, an 11th grade AP literature class. <laughs> so. Yeah, I do feel like if I read this, I should get some kind of college yes. credit. Well, we'll talk to uh, Matt, yeah. there is a, I think I pulled this bit the last time we did it, and I'm going to resurrect it, uh, reading Amazon reviews of the books we're discussing. 
Um, this review from someone in the United Kingdom. Uh, I found it quite slow, but soldiered on and was just beginning to quite enjoy it when two of the main characters spent many, many pages speaking to each other in French. I stopped at this point. <laughs> okay. All right. Really well, great. If anything, it'll teach you, uh, you know, some another language. I guess. Uh, and this Dodie Hunt... This book was on my grandson's wish list, and he couldn't wait to start reading it. Lady, your grandson is a dork. I wonder, uh, yeah, I wonder if this is like a book that people troll <laughs> other people with, where they're like, oh, this is a great book. Then, I'm sure it's it's 720 pages. That's That's got some meat. That is a meaty book. Yikes. Um, I'm sure they have but, rich uh, versions out there. An audio book, perhaps? Oh, that's where I've heard of Thomas Mann. Uh, he wrote Dr. Faustus. Of course, you know, like Faustian obviously, opera. yeah. Okay, so, yeah, we're like the Faustian bargain is like where the man makes the deal with the devil. Very famous, Matt. I think instead we should read his less famous book. Uh, no, I'm excited. I just like to shit on stuff because it's fun. But no, hey, maybe we will read the. Mag- I don't know what my other three That's choices true. are yet. That's so, um, the the Magic Mountain Thomas Man. All right, good first pick, Matt. Uh, but I'm going to pivot All right. to something anyway. a little more fun. Matt, we famously uh, did a series on a book called uh, Long Bomb, uh, which was about the XFL. We're obviously big fans of the XFL, uh, and it was an enjoyable read. But there, throughout that, we talked about another famous short-lived football league, the USFL which existed for three seasons in the mid-80s in America, uh, a league that was a smashing success until it wasn't. And so I present to you Jeff Perlman's Football for a Buck Inside the Crazy Rise and Crazier Demise of the USFL. Um, It's a very fun book. Uh, I think if we read this, it'll be interesting to compare and contrast it to the XFL. Uh, and uh, some of the things the XFL learned from the USFL and some of the things they probably should have taken from it uh, that would have made it more successful. Uh, a lot of crazy 80s stories in here of very poor... Unlike the XFL, they actually had franchise owners of each team, many of which didn't have that much money. Uh, and so the teams had no budget, uh, barely were able to put teams together, but the fans loved it, gosh darn it, and it started to be a success until one man brought down... The entire league. His name, young upstart businessman, Donald J. Trump. Uh, that's the downside if we pick this book, is we do have to talk about Donald I Trump, but only only as a piece of shit 80s <laughs> businessman. Well, I, I actually, I saw the uh, 30 for 30. Um, about, that that was not... Yes, small potatoes. Small potatoes, yes, which is why I knew as you were you were ramping up, I knew the villain behind the, uh, the bring down of the USFL. Um... Ultimately, uh, I I don't fully understand how, like he I know he brought it down, but I don't a hundred percent. Was it because he 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 wanted to not pay the players more money or something? What was the well deal behind? It? Yeah, the sh- the short version of the story um, is that Donald Trump wanted to own an NFL team, but he wasn't rich enough to own an NFL team. So what he did was he begrudgingly bought a USFL team. Now the USFL. Part of the reason it could have really succeeded is because when the league started, they knew that if they tried to outgun each other for player contracts, everything was going to get more and more expensive until the league folded. So they had tight budget controls, and that actually kept the league financially stable. Essentially a salary cap, before there was a salary cap. What Donald Trump decided to do was say, screw that, we've got to, I want an NFL team, so we're going to beat the NFL. And he went crazy. As we put the league in a very bad financial situation. Then he decided spring football wasn't good enough. He wanted to move to the fall to compete with the NFL. Bad idea because the NFL is very popular. Then he decided to sue the NFL, uh, claiming they had a monopoly, an unfair monopoly on football. And he used all of the league's resources to fund this lawsuit. Okay. And... And the best part, and this was kind of the the climactic ending of the Small Potatoes documentary, was that the XFL, uh, the USFL actually won that lawsuit against the NFL. The NFL was declared a monopoly. But, in dam- and Don Trump's plan was, if they beat them, 
the NFL would then merge with him and he'd get an NFL team for cheap. What ended up happening is they were paid $1 in damages, the USFL was, and they immediately folded afterwards. Gotcha. Okay, so now now I'm up to speed here. Yes. I'm back up to speed with the, with the deal. Okay. A, a fascinating ragtag group of individuals who were taken over by a greedy businessman and driven into the ground. It is a great story, um, and it's told well by Jeff Perlman in this book. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, I I like I like the uh, I like the um, story that it it seems like it's going for. Does does it, do you think it has any kind of like a unique take or does it does the author ha- seem to have skin in the game? Is I guess what I'm saying. Like, is he was he was he involved in the um, activities and the events of the or the, or is he like more of like a historian? Uh, good question. Uh, so Jeff Perlman, he's actually a sports uh, journalist, a sports writer. He wrote um, a book called Three Ring Circus about Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the Lakers. Um, he also wrote a book about Showtime, Magic Kareem, um, and that Lakers dynasty. So he's written a number of sports books, uh, but he was a USFM fan as a, fan as a kid. Um, and so though he has no personal connection, um, it is a, a passion. Okay. I think that, uh, yeah, as long as you could bring passion to the story i think that um yeah this this could be this could be good it's uh we'd say about the same length as uh the long bomb maybe a little longer um yeah i'd say it's about the same size okay. i'd say it's about the same size all right it's it's a and it's a really easy read yeah i'm, I'm definitely interested it's called uh one football one for, for a buck. buck one for football for a buck oh football for a buck Football, football for a buck. Yes, uh, a, a reference to how they would actually sell tickets to games for one dollar. Um, and Matt, you don't have to take my word for it. Sean P. Steinberg on Amazon Customer Reviews says this book should have a label on it describing it correctly as a Trump bashing book by an author with a serious problem with the president. I read most of the book on Audible. Uh, from a drive from Sacramento to Portland. I basically gave up on the book about halfway through it, and thanks to uh, Audible's return policy, my suffering was short-lived. If you want a book from a narrow-minded man with Trump derangement syndrome, then this is the book for you. Otherwise, skip it. It's not about the USFL at all. I disagree, uh, especially because I believe this book was published before Trump was president, um, <laughs> though I'd have to confirm that. Um, so, um, Yeah, I... I'm looking at it now. It's uh, it looks like it was published in was it 2019? That can't be right. That has to be the, so- the oh. Let me see when the hardcover published was first September published. 11, 2018. Okay, so I guess I was wrong. It seems like so long ago. Uh, I, I was reading a similar review from Glenn on Goodreads, who gave it two stars and said, "I was a pretty big fan of the USFL back in the day." I think I still might have some Oakland Invaders paraphernalia somewhere. Yeah. There's some interesting facts contained in the book. The narrative of a plucky, unlucky league trying to compete with the Goliath NFL, but it soon collapses into anti-Trump diatribe. The first (laughs) half isn't bad. After that, you might as well just turn on MSNBC. Well, that's what's funny, because halfway through the book is when Donald Trump buys a team. (laughs) So, you know, it's like... I don't really disagree with that, but, but uh, I feel like it's also whatever. really hard to paint a good picture of of Donald Trump, even in this story alone. Like if you just take out the the presidency and everything, in this story where he buys a, a team and be- completely bankrupts the league with his decisions, how can you turn that into a story about him being a hero? If if we chose this book and talked about it on the show. We would pretend Donald Trump never did anything after the 80s. Like, we would literally just say it is 80s businessman Donald Trump and has nothing to do with anything else in his life, because that alone is an interesting story. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's also it's also really hard to, to, to justify, I think, a lot of the decisions that were made by him in this, in this book as, like, a, as an owner and as a... Yeah, this could be interesting. He is kind of a villain of this, of this one, so... Uh, I like that because I guess Long Bomb didn't really have many villains. I mean, I guess Vince McMahon was his own villain. Vince McMahon, Jeff, uh, Jesse Andrew. Ventura. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think um, no. What's it? Yeah. What's interesting, and the book does have a, a hero of sorts. 
uh, which is the owner of the Houston Bandits, um, probably one of the most uh, remembered uh, teams of the uh, of the league. Uh, and I would have to try to find that. Or no, I'm sorry. They were the Tampa Bay Bandits. Yes. Um, and their owner, John Bassett, was the outspoken uh, sort of unofficial leader of the league um, who really had good ideas and really could have led it to success um, and really was the one who fought most with Trump. So Okay. So we got our own hero and villain here. It's an interesting story. We may read Football for a Buck, but you'll have to tune in to find out. Matt, how about a book from you? Yeah, so I'm going to pick one that uh, fits our aesthetic and fits our theme, since you just did one that uh, I think goes with... with, uh, with... I'm waiting for you to pick, like, the Bible. Yes, that's what our... our, our uh, we always do. Uh, <laughs> we always, You know, we always close with a Bible segment. That's, that's something we do here on Up for Debate every week. So... No, we're going to do, um, Sean, what is a long-standing and much-beloved series that we have done on this show? Um, Harry Potter. You know, that, I, don't think we, I don't think the words Harry or Potter have ever been said, as far as I know. Though it would be a hoot to read that series. Sean. <laughs> Shame. Shame. Although, yeah, we could probably uh, put it on the list, uh, just down the line. That would be interesting. I'm thinking, of course, of... James Bond, Sean. Ding, 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 um, with Casino Royale. Casino Royale. I Ian knew it. Fleming. I knew Ian that was the one you were going to pick. Uh, the other choice I had was uh, Live and Let Die, which is only interesting because it's 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 quite remarkably very racist. But um, mm. other than that, not not all that great of a novel. But it's uh, it's 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 very much an icon of its time. We shall we shall say. Uh, but Casino Royale, classic. James Bond um, author Ian Ian Fleming at his very best, some might say. Uh, the Double O um, goes on adventures. I, I I can't really do it justice, so that's why I'm going to look up uh, the uh, description of it from our everyone's favorite. Um, how about from the man himself, IanFleming.com? In the novel that introduced James Bond to the world. Ian Fleming's Agent 007 is dispatched to a French casino in Royale Les His mission? Bankrupt a ruthless Russian agent who's been on a bad luck streak at the Baccarat table. One of Smirsch's most deadly operatives, a man only known as Le Chief, has been a prime target of the British Secret Service for years. If Bond can wipe out his bankroll, Le Chief will likely be retired by his paymasters in Moscow. But what if the cards won't cooperate? After a brutal night at the gaming tables, Bond soon finds himself dodging would-be assassins, fighting off nightmarish torturers, and going all in to save the life of his beautiful female counterpart, Vesper Lind. Taut, tense, and effortlessly stylish, Ian Fleming's inaugural James Bond adventure has all the hallmarks that made the series a touchstone for generations to come. Wow. Wow. And that, Matt, as Henry on Amazon writes, started reading this and was wondering when James Bond is going to show up. After some 50, 60 pages, I realized this is not even Casino Royale. It is Tender is the Night by F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> And by then, my return window had closed, so I couldn't return it. Scam. That. Oh, that was that, <laughs> that itself was its own little adventure. <laughs> what a twist. How long do you read a James Bond novel and minute. be like, when's James Bond, Bond showing up? <laughs> Wait a minute. This is war and peace. <laughs> uh, no, Matt, this is exciting. This is a good, good James pick. Bond, this is exciting. We live in exciting times. Oh, wait, no, I'm reading Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
Wait, this is just a highlights magazine for kids. <laughs> How'd I make that mistake? Uh, beekeeping for dummies? What is this? <laughs> oh. No, apparently, believe it or not, actually, there are a lot of one-star reviews. Apparently, the digital version, uh, someone uploaded to Amazon, like, a bad scam. Like, there actually is, like, a scam going on with the digital version of this book, where it's, like, only half the pages, and... Um, oh, interesting. It's there, There's actually a problem with it, so... That guy wasn't alone in being screwed up. I just thought it read very book. funny. I wasn't ready for that. I thought he was gonna... He had some kind of complaint, like, oh... This whole time, I realized this book was garbage. But no, he he, he had a legitimate gripe, I guess. He was uh, given the wrong book. <laughs> um, yeah, I got a couple of a uh, couple of, of uh, negative reviews here. Some interesting facts that we learn in this book: James Bond smokes seventy cigarettes a day. James Bond loves his car. James Bond loves to sleep naked. This is the first James Bond novel, and it's a doozy. <laughs> I can see that quote on the back cover. It's a, it's doozy. a doozy. Yeah. I, this person wrote a really long review that I'm not going to read, but they gave it a one star, so clearly they had a lot of issues with it. But uh, the, next, the next one is a five-star review, and it just says, Bond, James Bond. <laughs> And it's right underneath this, like... Nuff said. Yeah, it's like 27 paragraph about why they hated the book. He says, Bond, James Two Bond. words, James <laughs> Bond. Two words, sexy ladies. Yeah, you basically. got it. <laughs> That's basically That's awesome. So that is my pick. Um, my uh, second pick of the afternoon, evening, uh, Casino Royale. Love it. That's awesome. Very cool. Very happy about that. All right, Matt. I got another nonfiction for you. More true life stories that are hard to believe. Um, now, what's great about this pick, Matt, is you'll be happy to know this is a Don't Panic Platinum pick, which means myself, Colby, and Dan have all read the book and all recommend it. So you've got some good talent behind so, it. Uh, Matt, are you familiar uh, with the name of Elizabeth Holmes? Uh, that would have to be... Um... Let's see. I know Enola Holmes is Sherlock's sister. So Elizabeth no. is maybe his cousin? Something like that? Unreli How about Theranos? Do you know the name Theranos? Oh, yeah. He snapped. He snapped and then half the people disappeared. No. And... No. The, big the big purple guy? guy yeah. Looks a lot oh, like right. uh, Josh Brolin? Yeah. No. No, Matt. I'm talking about the tech startup company Theranos led by Elizabeth Holmes. Is this is this the inventor? The documentary. The yes, adventures. this is. Yes, have you seen the documentary? Uh, I have not, but I have. It has been on my list for a very long time. Well, Matt, this is the book the documentary is based on, called "Bad Blood: Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup" by John Carreau, and he's the one who actually broke the story for the Wall Street Journal, um, and is the authority on it, and actually based the documentary on this book. Uh, Matt, uh, I'll just read the back of the book very quickly here. In 2014, Theranos founder and CEO Elizabeth Holmes was widely seen as the next Steve Jobs, a brilliant Stanford dropout whose startup Unicorn promised to revolutionize the medical industry uh, with its breakthrough device, which performed the whole range of laboratory tests from a single drop of blood. Um, company was valued at more than $9 billion. There's just one problem. The technology didn't work. Erroneous results put patients in danger, leading to misdiagnosis and unnecessary treatments. All the while, Holmes and her partner worked to silence anyone who voiced misgivings from journalists to their own employees. One of those stories you wouldn't believe uh, if you didn't know it was true. The book reads very well, obviously more in-depth than the documentary. Also, by the way, being turned into a scripted series for Hulu uh, miniseries. Um but it is a really great look at tech startups, at medical startups, um, and a really great look at what people blinded by money will do um, to avoid confronting truths like the technology doesn't work. Um, a really wonderful book and a bonus, Matt. If we pick this book, we can also watch the documentary and talk about it. Yeah, that's true. And I, I am I have been meaning to watch the documentary. And the documentary is very good, I will say. I have watched it, uh, and it is very good. Uh, I'm reading reviews to try to get um, even more hype 
you did a very good job hyping the book, but I want to get even more hype ingested into me. And uh, the uh, one of the reviews I'm I'm reading here on good good review or Goodreads is uh, I don't read a lot of page turners. I often find myself unable to put a book down, but they're not the kinds of books that would keep most people glued to their chairs. Still, I recently found myself reading a book so compelling that I couldn't turn away. Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup by John Cario details the rise and fall of Theranos. Um, by 2013, Theranos, it gives you, the, the, the person goes on to give a bit of a backstory about Theranos and concludes the review by saying, um, it's a real fun read full of bizarre details that will make you gasp out loud. The story almost feels too ridiculous to be real at points. No wonder Hollywood is already planning to turn it into a movie. And I think it's the perfect book to read by fire this winter. Um, that review was posted back in December of 2018 and was posted by none other than Bill Gates. The Bill Gates posted that review. Wow. So. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, of course, I had to go to the comments of people who, who commented. And one of them, the top comment here is your reviews motivate people to read any book and then a little goat emoji. He is the greatest of all time. Matt, yeah. uh, just like Bill Gates and C. Armstrong on Amazon said, uh, her review says, I didn't buy this product. <laughs> <laughs> so take that for one star. For one star. Okay. One star. I didn't I buy didn't this buy product. This... Does that mean okay. she like paid for something else like the other guy and got swindled? Are there a bunch of ebook swindlers out there that are delivering incorrect books what, I, what i'm hoping is Anne has written like a billion reviews on every product she's never bought just so everyone's really I clear buy this this is i did buy this five stars <laughs> yes the one product <laughs> i don't want him to be confused i did buy it what a bot um yeah, so uh, there you go. Bad Blood, a nice and popular book if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely into it. And so far, you've got three uh, three real good picks here. It's going to be a really tough one. Well, Matt, we got to hear what your third is. I'm excited. What do you yeah, got? Um, so my third one here, uh, third pick of the day is a book that I um, I read last summer. Mm -hmm. It is by, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's is um, kind of a, he's a writer. He wrote for Deadspin for a really long time. And then he uh, got fired from Deadspin. And uh, he, he now has his own company called Defector. His name is Drew, Drew mm. McGarry. Are you familiar with him? Oh, yeah. Ab absolutely. Yeah. Um, so he, he was a, you know, like a, like a sports, kind of like a sports, uh, wrote like mainly football, predominantly football related stuff. But then, uh, he had a dispute with Deadspin over, like, they, I think they told him like stick to writing real stuff. And he was mad about that. It was, I, I followed him. I've been a fan of his since, uh, probably since early college. So I've, I've read his stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but a, a book by him I read is called The Hike. So I read um, the, this book last summer. Like I said, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I'm going to now pull up a description of it so that I can uh, do it justice. Uh, when Ben, a suburban family man, takes a business trip to rural Pennsylvania, he decides to spend the afternoon before his dinner meeting on a short hike. Once he sets out into the woods behind his hotel, he quickly comes to realize that the path he has chosen cannot be given up easily. With no choice to, but to move forward, Ben fall, finds himself falling deeper and deeper into a world of man-eating giants, bizarre demons, and colossal insects. On a quest of epic life-or-death proportions, Ben finds help in some of the most unexpected forms, including a profane crustacean and a variety of magical objects, tools, and potions. Desperate to return to his family, Ben is determined to track down the producer, the creator of the world in which he is being held hostage, and the only one who can free him from the path. At once bitingly funny 
and emotionally absorbing, McGarry's novel is a remarkably unique addition to the contemporary fantasy genre, one that draws as easily from the world of classic folktales as it does from video games. In The Hike, McGarry takes readers on a daring odyssey away from our day-to-day grind and transports them into an enthralling world propelled by heart, imagination, and survival. That is The Hike by Drew McGarry. Wow, interesting. Uh, You know, Jacob Egan on Amazon says, I've read better on the back of a shampoo bottle. (laughs) Wow. Skating. So, yeah. Um... And another book lover says this from a guy who said the Eagles would suck this year. <laughs> that was written the year they won oh, the Super Bowl. I was going to say they did um, suck last year, but yeah, the, the year he wrote it, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, no, very interesting, Matt. Very interesting. I'm not a, I'm not oh. a huge. Yeah. Uh, Lala, uh, Lala on Goodreads gave it two stars and said this was quite possibly the weirdest shit I have ever read. But she didn't like it. It was two stars. Yeah, it was, I guess it was weird in mm-hmm. a bad way for her. I thought it was weird in a very good way. Because, um, all right, right underneath her, Lacey wrote it, gave it five stars and said, what on earth did I just read? This book was awesome in its sheer weirdness. Five stars. Well, you know, Matt, I will say when it comes to fantasy, I... I, I don't like the high fantasy stuff. Especially where, you know, there are a million characters and a convoluted backstory and all this kind of stuff. So I'm curious uh, if you would say this is more of a casual uh, fantasy. This is definitely more casual. You know, if you know Drew McGarry, a high fantasy is probably not in his in his vocabulary. So this is very this is very accessible. It's not like he crafts like a uh, uh, like the Eldritch Gods of uh, Numenon or whatever, where you have to read like the uh, encyclopedia to get it. It's it's a light. It is a very, very light fantasy. It is a very light adventure. Um, it, it, it there's definitely like more, I guess, themes to explore, both psychological and and social behind it. I guess I haven't really uh, had the time or the um, desire to do a deep dive of it, but I'm sure they're there. But it's it is not a um, it is not a a, a uh, you know. Uh, high fantasy book at all i would say by any stretch definitely on the light side well this definitely sounds uh, sounds exciting this may be a book i get regardless of whether we pick it to do on the show uh because i am i am trying to get back into fiction more and try some different stuff and uh this sounds like it might be interesting yeah i i recommend it and and if, if you are looking to, for something to get you um like back into the genre and get your feet wet this is perfect for that i will say Stellar. Stellar. Very cool. The Hike. Nice pick, Matt. Matt, I've got my last book here, but I have to admit something. Okay. I gave you crap earlier in the show. I haven't read it oh. yet. I bought it, and I haven't I read it yet. I thought maybe you picked another, like, 1920. I, uh, no. <laughs> it's called, it's One time. Summer by Bill Bryson. Okay. I want to read it again. Um... No, this is a book I bought, and I'm very excited to read it. I just haven't had time to read it yet, so I can't guarantee its quality. Uh, it's from Jim Tankersley. It's called The Riches of This Land. Uh, the sort of tagline, After World War II, unsung Americans built the strongest middle class in human history, then powerful men tore it apart. Here is the story of what went wrong and how to get it back. Um, it is a nonfiction book uh, talking about, basically, the the history of the American middle class. It says... For nearly two centuries, the best jobs in the U.S. were walled off to everyone but white men. After World War II, women, immigrants, and black men began to tear those walls down. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, middle class, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it basically talks about uh, how the middle class was built, what happened to destroy it, and how it can potentially be built again. Jim Tankersley works for the New York Times. He's a fantastic writer, if you've ever read any of his pieces with the Times. Uh, but this story is mostly told through anecdotes. Um combined with research. It's not a long read, uh, but it sort of begins in 1943 and follows all the way through to today. Um, And it's supposed to be very good, but I haven't read it yet. So um, this is a gamble, admittedly a gamble, the riches of this land. Okay. Uh, It it would be one of our more political discussions of uh, 
that we've had on the show before. But I think it could be interesting. Oh, definitely. Um, I can already tell based on the comments. Very, very well, well thought of. It's like very well regarded. Um, I mean, yeah. just, just from the length of, of what people have written about this book. Very, it's a thinker. thinker. Yeah, very much of, of, a, of a scholarly uh, suggestion. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I can't even find like a really a, a super bad or negative review. It is a new book. Uh, it literally came out in July. Oh, so yeah. this is a, a very new book. It's uh, just, I think, like, just came out in soft cover. Yeah, in September it came out in uh, paperback. So um, it's definitely very fresh, but it's also very timely. Um, and this is this is what I get a lot of my book reviews uh, from Twitter. Basically, smart people on Twitter recommend books, and then I buy them. And this was one uh, a lot of folks were really hyping up even before it was launched. So... Um, could could definitely be interesting. I've heard I've heard of this somewhere. I wonder if I, I wonder if I heard if I listened to an interview, maybe on a podcast with Jim Tankersley. Yeah, I mean he you can follow him on Twitter. I mean he he does still work for the New York Times, um, and is a uh, is a great reporter. So you've probably read one of his stories or or heard about him from a colleague at some point online. Yeah. All right. This uh Oh, wait, hang on. The paperback comes out this September. So unfortunately, you'd have to pony up for the hardcover or the digital gotcha. book. Gotcha. I would probably I I I'm a big digital reader these days. That's okay. why I don't have any of the books that I'm suggesting on hand. They're all uh, on my Kindle. Should have brought the Kindle yep. and I could have held it up, but uh yeah, I'm a I yeah, these days I've I've gone pretty pretty much into the digital world with the books just cuz um I learned from moving um, all of my books that moving books is a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, cool. So that was the riches of this land. Matt, take us home. What's our final book of all the right. evening? Uh, bringing it all back, uh, this pick is one that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's another book that I read um, about a year ago or so. Um and is a is it just became an instant classic to me. It's called The Remains of the Day. And it is by Kazuo Ishiguro. Now, um, Kazuo Ishiguro, uh, you might know him or you might have heard his name uh, around recently because he just came out with a another book um, that I just uh dropped about a month ago or so it's called um uh, clara and the sun and it's getting a lot of press right now came out like a month ago mm -hmm. um so he's been a, he's been a writer for a long time um and he is not the same um he's not exactly the same as as hiroki murakami who is the um uh, author of wind up bird uh murakami is much more like fantastical Whereas Ishiguro is much more realistic, um, but I will read the uh, I will read the plot, and it's a very very short uh, review. It says, "In the summer of 1956, Stevens, a long-serving butler at Darlington Hall, decides to take a motoring trip through the West Country. The six-day excursion becomes a journey into the past of Stevens and of England, a past that takes into fascism." To, that takes in fascism, two world wars, and an unrealized love between butler and housekeeper. So, I I happen to I happen to really really enjoy this book. Um, when I read it, um, it's it's very extremely well written, and I think it just it just puts you right into the shoes of this this butler. It's like really, um. Very well dressed, well kept, kept, uh, what it, like intelligent, but um, uh, butler. That's just really he's just really good at his job, I guess you could say. And uh, without spoiling it too much, it really explores the line of between duty and relationship, and uh, like serving one's purpose 
and what one's purpose is in life and what their station in life says about them and how that impresses on them because you know he's a he's a butler but at the same time he's 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 also like a like an artist because he's so good at being a butler he's got like mm-hmm. the, like his his craft down and there there's really something to be said for uh someone who is so committed to their job right and we think of like a, a lowly butler um but he he's just in in many ways he actually i think overshadows the um the house owner the master of this house who is kind of like a disheveled and kind of a mess and his life is kind of falling apart but it's the relationship between the two that makes the book i it's i it's i think it's a really amazing uh character study but i won't say any more about it it's uh the remains of the day by uh kazuo ishiguro that's awesome uh, you know i'll say valerie on amazon says very hard to into very hard to into sometimes i it's you know as i feel like sometimes the my my jar of peanut butter upstairs very very hard to into sometimes and as uh and as uh Gierlamina says uh the letters of the book are very small difficult to read so keep that in mind now matt did did you know that this was made into a major motion picture? I actually just learned that doing research. I think uh, starring it was starring um, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins yeah. and Emma Thompson and Hugh Grant, and it was nominated for eight Academy Awards, including Best wow. Picture. That's I, I have not seen the movie, so I can't I can't attest to that. Well, is, if we read the book, we got to watch the do. movie. We do. That's what we do on on Up for Debate. But uh, an absolute treasure, I would say. Um, I, I, I with confidence, with with overwhelming confidence, that it's my favorite book that I've recommended tonight. One of my favorite books. Okay, of time, I will say. Very interesting. Yes, it's up there, very much up there with uh, with some of the other classics that we've read. Uh, one of my favorite books. Man, this is going to be a tough, tough, tough yeah, decision. Now we've got a uh, decision time, I guess, for us. It is, Matt. Do you want to go first, or do you want oh me to go goodness. first? Uh, well, I think you should go first, only because I okay. am a baby, and I'm copping out, and also because you you uh, you read your suggestions first. We'll go with that. Okay, so Matt, can you... Wait, you want me to pick first, or you want... You want me to I pick first? I want you first? to pick first. I want you to do the hard Okay, so, so what were the four... Remind me again, the four books you suggested. So, uh, it was uh, The Magic Mountain, Casino yeah. Royale, the yep. hike and the yep. remains of the day. Okay, we're definitely not reading Magic Mountain. I, I saw that. Yeah, absolutely zero percent chance. That's okay because the other three books are very hard for me to choose yeah. between. I give you credit; a great mix of books. Um, I think the easy answer is Casino Royale uh, because I think it's an easy book to read, and I think we'll have stuff to talk about because we've seen the movies uh, and we know the characters. I think, and the hike is really interesting to me too. Uh, but I think we're going to get better a better podcast, and I think a more interesting reading experience for me if we did The Remains of the Day, because there was the history element to it, there's the character and plot elements to it, and then we can also talk about the movie as well. So I'm going to choose The Remains of the Day, I think. You made that look uh, so easy. I, <laughs> that was, uh, I'm excited. Yeah. No, it, was, it really wasn't. Honestly, I, really was, I was really leaning towards Casino Royale, but I'm like, you know, if we ever did do that then i would want to read like two or three bond books or even some of the like mix some of the early ones with some of the later ones that were written by other authors um and do more of a thing around it so i think that's wise and also this could open up a can of worms like murakami did where we i could uh i could recommend some of his other books yeah absolutely well and i i will say for the record i am adding the hike to my cart so Um, I'm going to get that and read it as well. So great job tonight, Matt. Good picks. And uh, I guess that brings over to uh, to my picks, which uh, I think I'm I'm going in the same kind of the same philosophy as you, Sean, where you said uh, which kind of weighing which one would make the best podcast. And I will say I have added all of your books recommendations all five have been added to my goodreads uh want to read list 
So um, I will hopefully get to read all of them at some point. But for the, I think the one that would give us the best show and the best um, amount of of discussion. Let's go through your picks one more time. Yeah, absolutely. We started with Disney War, then uh, Football for a Buck, then Bad Blood, and then lastly, The Riches of This Land. Dang, Sean. This, you really, these are some really... Well, you know, Matt, ones. now you really do have me... You have me really thinking. You know, it, it's only April. Like, we have the whole summer. We do. So we could do more than one. So I would say, Matt, pick one book now, knowing that we absolutely have the option to do more books later. I like that. I like that idea, Sean. And uh, I am... Um, I was I was really leaning toward football for a buck in the beginning because it is a, it is it does sound like a really good compliment to our a previous discussion of the XFL and the the, uh, the long bomb um, but at the same time with bad blood you have the element of bringing in uh, friends of the show Colby and and uh, and Dan who have also read the book so we could have like a like a you know a group discussion oh, i so i told him uh on monday's show i said oh this thursday we're doing the book club and i told him bad blood was one and they were like yeah you guys gotta do that one like they were so psyched about it so that one that one's very strong personally i'm i'm definitely keen on on disney wars too i just don't know how interesting a show the show might be uh, focused on that. I will read it. I will say I'm going to read Disney Wars. I think you'll like yeah, it a lot. I am, I am absolutely going to read it. Um, but I guess it's between Bad Blood and um, and the the uh, football for a buck. And I think I'm leaning I'm leaning a little toward Bad Blood. I think that's my pick. That'll probably be the first one. And then we can do football for a buck later as it gets closer to to the football season wrapping up. Yeah, I you know if I had to pick one of these to do on the show, I would have picked Bad Blood. So I think you made a really good choice. Um, I think if once you read Disney War, if you're like we got to talk about it, I'm always game. Uh, but it is dense, and there's a lot in there. Um, it is a lot of inside baseball. I think Bad Blood, uh, sort of the story of tech startups and the narrative and the the sort of um, the just just the whole thing, and then we can watch the documentary. I think Bad Blood is a great choice, Matt. Um, I think we'll have a lot of fun. I think I think you made a great choice as well. Uh, we got two very different books, which is exciting. Yeah. So, the uh, choices uh, remain the remains of the day and bad blood. Excellent. Well, this is I'm, I'm Matt. I think we did a great job. Pat ourselves on the back for being great. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So everyone, go out buy your copies. Uh, and at some point in the future, we're not putting a hard date on it, but at, I would say at some point in the next, by the end of May, we will do an episode on one of these two. Which which one do you want to do first, Matt? Any one you want to do first? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't really matter doesn't, to me. I mean, whatever. No, whatever me neither. Floats your boat. I guess which one is, uh, which one is shorter? Is that the way you want to play it? I uh, <laughs> work right now. So. Uh, no, no, I don't think it's well. What is it? So, uh. Amazon says 245 pages for Remains of the Day. Bad Blood is about 300. So, um, but they both, they'll, they'll both read quickly. I, I don't think it. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe we, maybe we schedule it around availability of Sean and Dan, or Sean, it's just Colby and Dan, if they want to join. Colby them. and Dan. So why don't, let's start with Remains of the Day. Okay. So then we have time to schedule Bad Blood later in the yeah, summer. I'm, I'm, I'm sold on that idea, yeah. All right, so Remains of the Day, get the book, read it, watch the movie, and by the end of May, we'll do an episode on it, because uh, we need time to, well, I need time to read it. You already know it, uh, but uh, that will be coming up. How exciting. Very cool, Matt. Yeah. This is great. Make sure you collect those stamps um, on your or stickers on your card so you get your free personal pizza from Pizza Hut. Have we gotten one yet? Have we got? Have we read 10 books on this show yet? We have not read ten books on the show like yet. Altogether? No, we would have only read if we if it's more than four, I'd be surprised. We've yeah, but if you take out look at all the standalones we've read, like uh, Devil in the White City. Uh, we read. Oh, that's right! I forgot we were doing we books, books for a while because we did of Dice and Dice Men and, and Console Wars. Console Wars, the Long Bomb. Uh, 
Yeah, Wind Up Bird Chronicle, obviously, and yeah, um, One Summer. One Summer. Uh, Ready Player, Player One. one. Didn't, you, didn't you read The Witcher? You read the first... Yes, we read Witcher The Witcher. Book? Yes, we did. We're at eight. We're at eight. And we got two more this summer. That'll take us All to right, ten. All we're gonna, right, we're going to get our pizza. We'll get our pretty first... All right. Pizza. Yeah, we gotta get back to reading books. We were on a tear there for like a year where we did a bunch we of I forgot. Yeah. I feel like we've read more. If you're a longtime listener and fan of the show at home. <laughs> Tell us what books we've and, read. And uh let us know <laughs> if there are two books out there that we read that we are not counting. I don't know. I feel like maybe there was there was more. But uh yeah. Yeah, good picks tonight. I, I'm definitely looking great forward to stuff. Reading. Well, join us, uh, not just for those, but all summer long, as we've got some great content coming up. You're not going to want to miss it. Please go to our website, upfordebate.tv. Check out all the episodes there. Please subscribe wherever you get podcasts. We're on every major platform. Not hard to find us with the video version on YouTube. And, of course, you can follow us at TV on Twitter or email us TV at gmail.com. We're going to end it here. Go fill up your bookcases, get excited for the summer. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on another edition of This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.